think to manage this transition from the snack food industry into, into real estate. What's been one of the most challenging experiences that you've had in, in this business? Looking into your crystal ball for the next 10 years, what, what do you see happening in commercial real estate in, in greater Portland? Hello listeners and welcome to the Bolus Beat. I'm Drew Sigfordson, Managing Director of the Bolus Company and your guest host today. I'm here with my good friend and client, Peter Mishu from M&R Holdings. Peter is the president of M&R Holdings, Crossroad Holdings, and Main Properties. Welcome, Peter. Thank um, you for having me. Over the past several years, uh, M&R Holdings, which is a partnership between the Mishu brothers and the Rosbera brothers, has developed over 200 single-family housing units uh, around Greater Portland. They've developed 500 multifamily apartment units around Greater Portland. Uh, they've also purchased and master-planned the Scarborough Downs development. Uh, Peter was formerly the president of Clearview Foods, which uh, was a division of Snyder's Lance and has since been purchased by Campbell Foods. Uh, with nearly three decades of experience in the snack food industry, uh, Peter has really seen it all. Um, acquisitions, dispositions, mergers, um, managing uh, a, a small business which started uh, with his father and with his brother from a single truck and grew into a multi-million dollar company which then was, was purchased uh, and, and became a publicly traded entity. So a breadth of experience and uh, that has over the years uh, translated into a transition to real estate development. So it'll be interesting to have this conversation as to as to how that transition happened, and um, and maybe that's where we that's where we go to uh, to start. Um, they they sold their company in 2017, and uh, turned towards real estate development, construction, and management uh, with the Rosbera brothers. So. How did you think to manage this transition from the snack food industry into, into real estate? Well, we always knew that change was on the, uh, the horizon. It always is. And um, when I think about uh, kind of our key objective as to why we did it, um, we really want to relocalize ourselves um, into Portland. Our food business had gotten so big <clears throat> across... Uh, Northern New England, uh, upstate New York, and then our involvement with a public company for seven or eight years, um, that was national in scope. So as we kind of went along, we realized that uh, kind of our job was done there, uh, if you will, um, in the sense that we took our business um, in the snack food space and we repositioned it for the betterment of our people. Um, and we did that in a way that, that secured their long-term uh, viability in the business. And, and we also um, really thought through, um, you know, what's next for us uh, once that was completed. And, you know, all along the way in the, in the food business, we were building distribution centers. Um, uh, some of them we owned, some of them we leased. Um, 
and we realized we had this nice little value on a balance sheet that we never sold as mm. part of the transaction. And um, over the years, in those years of uh, in the snack food business, lots of experience with distribution centers, manufacturing centers, and so on. So we actually were building this muscle we didn't even realize we had. Yeah, and it was really interesting. Um, and but our so it was it was a fairly natural transition. Um, of course, um, connecting with the Risbera uh, brothers, um, and by the way, there's uh, a total of five of us. Um, you've got myself, my brother Dickie, uh, you've got Rocky, Billy, and Mark, and we always say it takes five, five of us to make one good man. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, uh, it's an interesting group, um, very, very smart, all entrepreneurial. Um, but it was a fairly natural transition. But our primary driver, as I think back, it's an interesting question, but primary driver was to relocalize and ultimately build something that, that really um, rings the bell on Portland, uh, southern Maine, and really um, kind of leave a legacy uh, of sorts of uh, what we were doing, uh, gathering all our history up, better said, and kind of plunking it into this uh, community which we grew up in and love. Well, you're certainly doing that. You're you're making a really a really impressive footprint and and well, seem to be that. doing it right. Yeah. So the relationship with the Rosberas, how how long has that been in existence, and and how did that come about where you got into business with them? Oh gosh, um, we've been lifelong friends. Um, you know, gee, over thirty years. Uh, I don't want to give my age away. I'd say it's probably forty plus years, <laughs> um, but. I think uh, um, we we they were a, a local local business, um, very successful, very uh, well regarded, um, and we had done various investment transit uh, transactions with them over the years, different things, different subdivisions. We were always kind of on the silent side of those. We didn't do; uh, they've done plenty on their own, um, but we would participate in, in different transactions. So as we were doing that, you know, we were, again, we were thinking, well, heck, this is a good diversity for us, um, you know, d diversity effort, and uh, in terms of our income streams and investments and so on. Billy and Rocky and Mark approached us about um, developing some of these, uh, developing market rate apartments, and uh, the timing was right. It kind of hit on our objective to relocalize and yeah, we took off, but we've done lots of things together. Terrific people, very full of integrity, and and uh, um, we tend to have the same core ingredients. Now, when when you've gotten into some of these partnerships, uh, you know, you started business with your with your dad and with your brother, and and now you're in business with with three brothers and good friends that you've known for a long time. How, you know, sometimes I've heard, uh, you know, partners are meant for dancing. Yes, but you have uh, long-time partnerships that really seem to go well. Uh, right. What do you attribute that to? For us, we all have our goals, we all have our strengths, we all have our weaknesses, and you know, my thought is, um, it's um, it's set up in such that we can be very nimble. Um, there's always one of us has more experience than someone else with a given situation and we pivot back and forth and we're very flexible. We communicate extremely well. Um, I'd say we over communicate actually. 
Um, we hold our meetings faithfully. Nothing gets in the way of our Monday morning nine o'clock meetings. Um, and we we um, we do well. We do yeah, well with yeah. that. It's 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 never easy. Um, but you know, if if the old adage goes, the juice is worth the squeeze mm -hmm. for sure. When you when you look across the the portfolio, you know it's interesting that you said you were you were a silent um, partner for for a period of time. I feel like um, you know in this market, within a very short period of time, you know five years, seven years, you developed a, an enormous portfolio of of new market rate apartments uh, with a with a main properties which is a management company and maybe you could talk about how many properties they manage for yourselves and for third parties mm -hmm. and it seems like it really grew up overnight uh, and it was it was impressive to see and this is in, an, in a climate where not a lot of new market rate apartments were were getting built mm. um, you know a lot of tension was was focused on on downtown and it seems like you focused on on the uh, the adjacent towns, the, uh, the suburban areas. Maybe right. you could talk about your, your thought process on that and, and the growth of the company. Well, main properties particularly, I mean, we, we believe in um, vertical integration, experience from the snack food business. It's very convertible into a lot of, lots of different industries. And when I think about the snack food business, if I might, um, you know, at, at, at one point the snack food business had um, it was very fragmented. It had various fragments of, of uh, um, channels of different uh, platforms and different businesses. And, and so when I, when I look at it from, from an analogy point of view, um, in, the, in the snack food world, we did vertical, we, we vertically integrated. We took, we, we owned manufacturing with a public company. We owned distribution and we owned our own brands, right? Fast forward into the development side of the, the, the world, um, in the apartment side of the world and so on, Main Properties is a brand that, um, that we're building out. In fact, that company has grown well over 3x in four years, three times its size in four years. Wow. And I credit the talent there. We brought in some really, really strong talent and it was talent already there. So that, that really is a credit to that, that team that runs that business day in and day out. But the ability to vertically integrate those apartments. <clears throat> um, we know how to buy land. Um, we know how to get the land approved, have it zoned correctly and get it approved, get the site approvals. And we know how to build them. Um, Risbury is great at building. Uh, yeah. They've got a great history there. And, and then once all that's done, well, heck, you've got to run them. You've got to manage them. Right. And uh, incomes main properties. So, kind of our dream is, uh, and and you know, it's here, and it will it will it will continue to be built, is to have our own companies bring that product, particularly in apartments or commercial, um, bring that product all the way from inception to the end, um, much like in the snack food business. Buy your raw materials, own your own plants, own your own distribution, own your brand. Yeah. yeah. No difference. Lots of analogies. Yeah, that's great. We'll come back to, um, to that, where you saw demand and how you positioned that um, with, some of the, with, with one of the larger projects that's underway in the state of Maine right now. Yeah. But um, 
before we go there, what's what's <clears throat> been one of the most challenging um, experiences that you've had in in this business? Um, I think in any business that I've experienced, the number one challenge was um, bringing outside help in to a family business. Um, you know, uh, professional help I refer to it as versus someone with the right last name. Um, very, very different. We always tell our kids, um, you know, we all have kids and, and generations to come and, and that's obviously one of the purposes of doing what we're doing, but I always tell our kids, you gotta bring something to the business other than your last name. You mm -hmm. gotta bring value to be respected. And when I think about um, the challenges in doing that, taking a business, my brother Dickie says it the best, you know, taking a business from a, from a small family atmosphere and aspiring it to be, you know, a larger corporation, you've got to bring in outside talent. And one of the toughest decisions we've ever made was bringing in outside talent and, and, and listening to them and then letting them actually run the business mm -hmm. and let them take, them, take their controls uh, over. Um, of course, somebody always knows somebody else, so all of a sudden you hire this individual who knows somebody else, and now you've got lots of outside people yeah. in the business. Transitioning that and respecting your core group that was there, um, that got you to where you were, and, and integrating those two concepts is very, very difficult. Um, we've done it in a lot of situations. It's never perfect, uh, but we, we have done it successfully. And as a, as a side note, uh, I'll never forget the day that my brother and I were going through payroll. We were in probably in a budgetary, uh, budgetary type state, um, must have been that time of the year, going through payroll and realizing that, you know, a lot of people made more than we did. <laughs> uh, that was a humbling moment. Yeah. Uh, so we made that investment, made that leap, um, uh, managed the process, kept us, our job went from operating the business to staying on strategy, and we had others operating the business. That was, those are difficult transactions. Yeah. As a result of that, um, you're able to scale your business much quicker, mm -hmm. uh, and, um, and it's, a lot, it's a lot more enjoyable uh, because you can actually make a difference in people's lives. Yeah. And yeah. we enjoy doing that. That is, that is really the reason why I get out of bed and go to work every day. Yeah. I really enjoy making a, a difference in people. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. It's really hard to, um, I think, know in yourself what you're, what you're good at, but what your limitations are. Right. And having... In my case, lots. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the record. <laughs> but it's checking your ego, right? And, and yeah. saying, listen, I know what I don't know, and I need, to, I need to hire these other people in order to take us to that next level, to take us to that next step. And, and a lot of people have a, have a really hard time doing that, especially yeah. as entrepreneurs, where I feel like a lot of people think that they're maybe the smartest person in the room. Yeah. Uh, which, which, you know, we all have our limitations. So. Oh, sure. So yeah. That's absolutely true. Absolutely you've true. Done, I, you've done a great job with that. We appreciate that. We, um, we have a large respect for our people and, and uh, our teams. And um, everything, everybody's got to be willing to learn. Um, I think for us, it's really simple. Best idea wins. Yeah. We don't care where it comes from. Yeah. And then we go execute it. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So speaking of ideas and execution, 
Um, Scarborough Downs. So uh, that's what I think most people, you know, would would think of when they when they think of the Mishus and the Risberas at this point. It's mm. uh, it's it's Scarborough Downs, uh, called the Downs now as a as a master plan development project. Now. This this property was on the market for several years, and you know the the numbers that were thrown around in terms of the the value, and even the asking price uh, was was enormous, tens of millions of dollars, mm. and ultimately I, I believe it sold uh, December of 2017 for about 6.7 million dollars. Yep, that's right, and. Yeah, this is for those of you who who are listening that that may not know. Uh, this is a site um, just near the Cabela's exit, uh, just south of the main mall, in the town of Scarborough, which is one of the fastest growing communities in the state of Maine, uh, just south of the main mall, and it was really um, an undeveloped site other than a um, a racetrack, a horse, a horse racetrack, and the grandstands, and and uh, some barns for the horses, mm -hmm. and they were talking about maybe uh, maybe doing like a, a casino there or or other things, and it <clears throat> it really just um, languished for a long time, unfortunately. Right. So, uh, you know, a really daunting project uh, in terms of the size and scale, and how did you approach that, and how did you decide to approach it? Well, how we, you know, how we decided to approach it was, um, see the rock here, Billy kind of cued us up that it, it very well might be back on the market. We knew that it was on and off the market, you know, being local and, and so on. But it was always out of our scope. Um, and we got the idea to kind of look, look into it a little bit um, once it came back on the market. And the thought process was, well, we're having success with these apartments, and we're having success in general with our partnership, and so on. Things are going well. Let's let's take a look. Um, I will say that I believe it was Rocky that called me. I I think I drove off the road or fell out of my chair. I can't remember which it was when he said, "You know, we ought to take a look at that." I'm thinking, "Wow, that's a one big elephant." Um, so we, as we did our research, it was interesting. Um, we did, you know, do quite a bit of research on it very quickly. Um, that project or that site, Scarborough Downs, was under contract 15 times in 17 years. Wow. Literally under contract. And of course, they never closed. And a driver of that, um, uh, the clear majority of those deals, those concepts, were based on some gambling licenses. So it was really um, building off the track and so on. And um, that had gone to vote in the town a few times from a municipality point of view. Um, and uh, just barely lost. Um, and so that was going on. As we looked at that research, we said, well, that, that's interesting. I think, the, I think the high point drew in, the, um, in what it was on the contract for, which was all public, was $34 million. Um, if I might be a million or two off either way, but yeah. it's a big number. Yeah. But again, that was tied to um, gambling. That was one of the performance requirements for the seller. And uh, so uh, when, we, when we looked at it, the other interesting piece that kind of came into play was the zoning had changed. You know, kudos to the town of Scarborough. Um, they saw an opportunity um, for the downs to be kind of their growth area, their new downtown concept. 
and they came up with a plan, kind of a, a master plan that had the downs um, part of a, down, a new downtown in, in the town of Scarborough. And um, they didn't stop there. They actually changed the zone to what's called a crossroad zone. So that crossroad zone was uh, uh, put in place by the council. Uh, it was a brilliant move on their part, uh, very uh, thoughtful mm -hmm. on their part at, that, forward at that point. Very forward thinking. And uh, it was interesting. So here we are. We're starting to look at this deal. We're starting to think, okay, maybe we'll, maybe we'll do this. And as we kind of dropped back and reflected, what we saw was potentially price coming down, zoning being in place and being a very liberal zone um, where you can have high density and so on, um, mixed use, all the right things to kind of play the demand market. So we saw pricing coming down and the zoning opportunities increasing like this, which is a pretty rare phenomenon in development. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what rates, triggered us. Interest to, rates are still interest ex rates were extremely good. Yeah, market was was poised mm -hmm. to support it. Um, so yeah, those things, those dynamics playing like they played, um, we gave it the nod. We said, let's go. Yeah, let's go get this thing. Yeah, and we did it very quickly. Yeah, you did. Um, and we did it um, forcefully. And I, and I credit the Terry family um, for. Uh, they were the sellers. Yeah, they were the sellers. Thank you. Yeah, listening to us and trusting us, um, knowing that we we wanted a play that could abs at, at some point relocate harness racing. Um, others were coming in saying, "Well, we we may or may not um, keep harness racing. Could be casino, could be houses, could be lots of things." And we made a commitment to them for a period of time, um, unequivocally. This is what we're willing to do. Yep. Um, and it and, helps with uh, the transition. Yeah, for, being know. transparent with them was key yeah. um, in, you know, what their livelihood has been. They're not developers. Um, right. They're into harness racing and have been for years and generations. So kind of trying to protect that some and make some sense of that. And uh, That's great. being centric to what their needs are were, were key for us. Yeah. So how, how did you look at that whole property and and what segments did you decide to, to build first and how did you make those decisions? Well, you know, to, to kind of start, um, again, kudos to the town in a sense that they required a master plan. So they required a developer to think um, or I'd say aim before they fired. Mm -hmm. And, and, and uh, so we had to go through that process. And, of course, our comfort zone, if you will, in, in our history with Risbera, and, and especially on, on, the, on the Risbera side, their history with building homes, condos, apartments, and, and that kind of thing, we thought um, to start with that would be the smart thing. And as we did the math, looked at the demographics, looked at median income, household income, and all the things that are attributed to kind of reverse engineering what the market can afford, mm -hmm. um, it played right down the middle as to where our sweet spot was with our capabilities at the time. And so we went in um, and we obviously wanted to build on the south side of the property, which the southeast side, which is kind of the uh, Route 1 side, which is the Route 1 side. And simply so we could tap that infrastructure on Route 1, bring it in. And keep in mind, we're not putting in small infrastructure. Uh, our water main, if I'm not mistaken, on Route 1 16 inches. It's unheard of because ultimately it's going to feed more 
development. The entire, so, yeah, the entire yeah, project. Yeah, it's got to feed certainly at least 60% of it, and then the Payne Road side will pick up some. Right. Uh, but uh, so we, we looked at, we really played the demand market in short uh, when we did that. And uh, the, the total property, when completed, um, will be, we should have about 2,000 dwelling units and uh, well over a million square feet of commercial. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's, it's incredible what you're doing out there and, and the speed at which it's happening. I think that first phase, um, if I'm not mistaken, is, is around 140 units or so. And from 132. 132. 132. And from October um, to the following October, the first shovel in the ground to people living in the houses. Yes, yeah, and, and the, the most interesting part of it was uh, it was a, it took about 30 days to sell it out. Wow. Um, yeah. so there you, were a you few condos left and maybe a duplex or two, but in general, we had a clear line of sight for 30 days. So um, the market data that we had apparently was accurate, yeah. um, and it felt right, too. That, yeah. that matters. Yeah. We're entrepreneurs at heart. Yeah. It's got to feel right. Yeah. And yeah, I'm seeing the same type of demand on the innovation district side. So mm -hmm. this is on the Payne Road side, the the other side of the of the Scarborough Downs project. Right. And coming in from the Payne Road side is is a one of the first business parks to be developed in the state of Maine in in the last dozen plus years. Um, Which is good news and bad news, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> pioneers. You know what happens to pioneers. But anyways. <laughs> well, well, you have to hit the demand where it's right. Yeah, that's and right. There, that's there's right. no other uh, industrially zoned land uh, that's permitted and approved and, and ready to be built on. That's right. Um, and so, you know, I think, again, through market research, you, you decided that that was a good idea. Yeah, same principles. Um, same principles we used on the first phase of residential, we used on the light industrial side in Innovation District. And um, the, uh, I believe there was, at the time when we started, there was a, a quarter of 1% uh, vacancy uh, in the greater Portland area. Um, in the industrial, in the industrial flex yeah, market. Flex yeah. market, yeah. And um, so there was a good pent up demand. Um, we had the right land. We're able to put in the right infrastructure. Keep in mind, um, when we refer to infrastructure, we're talking obviously water and sewer and so on, but we're also talking fiber, fiber optics, uh, and natural gas yeah. uh, that we're putting into those, and three-phase power. So it's a, it's, um, it, it's a real live wire, literally, um, as to how that, that particular district can support businesses. So yeah, we're, same principles apply different kind of, uh, obviously, end user. Um, but what we've found in all of this that's particularly interesting with a mixed-use development is these businesses want rooftops, and this, those rooftops, meaning houses, want businesses. Mm. You know, we have this... Um, it makes sense. It does make sense. And it's, 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 you know, to have that large of a parcel and be able to deliver on a live, work, and play environment I mean, we're really going to do that. That's really what is happening. Yeah. Um, there are, you know, interest levels from large businesses to come in there and large industries to come in there. And the excitement of those employees to be able to live near their work 
and actually be able to walk to work um, is real. Yeah. It's yeah. a new place. And we actually have parking. Right. right. So it's, you know, kind of a, it's an interesting dynamic, yeah. uh, to say the least. I think it'll be interesting to see post-pandemic what businesses decide to do. And this idea that you were just talking about of, uh, you know, of having the employees live right next to their businesses, having the, the employers live in close proximity to their businesses, it's really a, a different dynamic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. The need to be flexible and innovative is critical. And the innovative part would be if you go to an office user and you say, okay, you've got uh, 800 employees. Um, you collaborate with them early and you say, hey, what is it that we can do to help you be a better company? And what I mean by that, a, a better place to work, live, and play. And we, we want to integrate ourselves into that behavior. So, for example, um, something as simple as a daycare, mm. where the daycare is located. Um, something as simple as a community center where a pool might be located. Um, something as simple as a, a breakfast spot to take your kids out on Saturday morning. Um, these things that we, we're communicating with these businesses that are showing interest so that we can build a platform that makes them a better place to work, gives them a competitive edge, helps them recruit and retain good talent. Right. So we're, we're thinking about that in a real holistic manner. And with our business backgrounds, it's, very, it's not very difficult to do, quite frankly. Um, we have to be customer-facing, customer-centric, and really stick to that and live, live you know, within those boundaries. Looking into your crystal ball for the next 10 years, what, what do you see happening in commercial real estate in, in greater Portland and in Maine in general? Well, I think southern Maine will remain strong. Um, I'm sure it will, have it, it will ebb and flow some, but what's interesting to me is the footprint of Portland's got to grow. Um, and what I mean by that is when I say it's got to grow, it's got to grow north of the city, and it's certainly got to grow south of the city, and it's got to grow west of the city. And I think we'll need some dynamic changes uh, in our infrastructure mm -hmm. to do that, to provide for that. Um, and I also think the, 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 the outcome of good infrastructure and good footprint, footprint growth to allow for additional growth in southern Maine for Portland would also allow Portland kind of a clear line on increasing their commerce. Um, uh, God bless Portland, they've been hit so hard with the pandemic because our revenue sources are not diversified enough. Um, you know, heavy restaurant, um, basically heavy tourism. Heavy tourism, yeah. Heavy hotel. Mm -hmm. um, I think as a result of, of this pandemic and, and just in general good business, the idea is your revenue streams are diversified. Um, and there's plenty of opportunity in Portland to do that. So I think we'll see some of that behavior. And as a result of that, I think you'll see the footprint of Portland grow, um, provided we allow for the infrastructure for that to happen. And uh, um, I think uh, certainly to your point earlier, the, um, the rural nature of, of uh, southern Maine as it relates to some of the big uh, cities, for example, Boston, I think there's good business opportunities for business to relocate here and provide for a 
better place for people to live, more affordable, have parking at work, have parking at home. Um, yeah, and be there's close, a lot of hidden close costs. To the, be close to the ocean and great yeah. trail systems yeah. and the mountains. And it's got a lot to Portland's got a lot to offer, and yeah. I think as a result of of uh, the unfortunate situation we're in, um, I think you might see businesses looking more at, gee, I like that rural setting. I like being able to offer my my team um, a place to live, a place to play, a place to work. I, I think there's some some things there that we'll see come through in the next decade. Yeah, well, hopefully uh, you and your team are, are partial beneficiaries of that. So. We will be. Yeah. We yeah. will be. We'll, uh, we're going to innovate and do the right things. Yeah, well, great work. Peter Mishu, thanks so much for, for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about the Bolus Company, please be sure to visit us at www.bolus.com. You can find us uh, at the Bolus Company on Facebook, uh, at the Bolus Co. on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks so much. Thank you.